Hallelujah. It is good to see you at the chapel this morning. And we're just praying for victory in your life. This morning, the powerful Word of God is going to go forth in a few seconds. And I want to encourage you to allow God to begin speaking in your heart. We're going to pray here in a few seconds. Let me tell you, I I just am so excited that you're here this morning, and I know that God's going to do some great things in your life. The next couple weeks we have planned, uh, next Sunday morning at 9.30, we're going to have a prayer breakfast. Uh, Really, we're going to pray, and if you haven't eaten breakfast, we'll have something for you to eat, you know, that kind of thing, but we're going to pray, and uh, praying at 9.30 as a church, uh, the powerful prayer of agreement. You know, someone says, well, I, I don't need to come to church to pray, and and that's true, but it is in strength in a group of people as a a body of believers in praying together in the prayer of agreement. This will be something that whatever you're going through, that as we quote scripture together and as we pray the scripture, you'll see breakthroughs in your life. Uh, I didn't guarantee that. God guaranteed that. And so I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday morning at 930. And then also I'll be preaching a message that I believe will change some of the, the things that are going on in, in our church, the transitions that a lot of you are going through. I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday. Then on the 16th, now try to get these because if you're like me, about next Saturday you'll go, which one of those Sundays did he say? Next week is our prayer breakfast. Then the week after that is the 16th. And what kind of uh, the Universal Church in America is calling that week is the Back to Church Sunday. Now really what that is doing is trying to encourage all of us that have gone on vacations and kind of got some what uh, maybe laxed in our attendance of church to get back in the swing. It is in the fall that a lot of times... Children go back to school and students get all geared up and that therefore the parents kind of get back in, in, in the swing of a system. And so on the 16th, we're going to have a special Sunday and back to church Sunday. It's called You Belong Here. And we're going to uh, start on that Sunday just some, some things that, again, are, are systems in our life. One is our Christian education. Some of you received a, a handout this morning. Uh, On that day, on the 16th at 9.30 in the morning, we're going to meet in the sanctuary for roughly 45 minutes and go through some of the things that are causing you to be maybe locked up and not to get a breakthrough in your life. And what that is, is the emotions that we deal with. If you're not a robot, which I don't think we have any here today, then then I will guarantee you, you've experienced emotions in your life. Now, the, the thing about emotions is they want to guide us and sometimes even control us. There's all kinds of emotions that we deal with, and we're going to be talking about that at the 9.30 to about 10.15 time period. Then after that series begins on that Sunday morning, it's going to go for 12 weeks, and we have some wonderful things planned during that those morning hours, but also in the morning service, which starts at 10.30, is a special day. I kick off a new sermon series on that day. At the end of the service, we're going to celebrate. We have a food truck. This is something new for us, and we're just going to have lunch together. And if you would like to buy a food voucher, which kind of 
helps you skip the line and kind of have them prepare the food ahead of time, uh, then, then we want to encourage you following the service. Uh, Brianna or one of her team will be back here to sell those and, and kind of lock that up so that you can uh, be ready for that day. It'll be a casual day. So uh, I just want to encourage you to, to be there on that day, September the 16th. And kind of, again, as we are getting back into the fall season, you know, in Texas, I think fall came on a Thursday last year. So don't miss it. Don't miss it. September 16th will be a great day that will start a lot of things at the church. Also, lastly, on October the 30th is our grand opening dedication service of our buildings that are on the west end of the property. And uh, we're getting closer and closer. We encourage you, if you've never been down there, stop in during the week as the workers are working and just say, I'm a co-owner in this. And they'll treat you like golden people. So we want to encourage you just to stop in and see what's going on. This morning is Labor Day weekend. And let me tell you, I, I just love Labor Day weekend, especially the last few years. We've allowed our, our coming up generation, the millennials, uh, what they're called, the millennials. I don't know who called them that, but we call them that, the millennials. Uh, three years ago, uh, Brianna uh, spoke and did such a great job. And then Paul Adami last year. Well, this year... Mark Miller is coming to speak, and he has a word from God. Let's give a hand for Mark as he comes. I have the best dad in the whole wide world. I want to say thank you, Pastor John, but also thank you, Dad, for allowing me to speak today. It's a huge honor. Let me get all situated here. Probably didn't need my Bible, but, you know, if I'm preaching, i, I got to bring it on up. Am I right? How are you all doing today? Listen, I'm excited to speak to you today. I'm, I'm, I'm just thrilled. Um, if any of you don't know me, I, I feel like I know a lot of you here, but if you don't know me, my name's Mark Miller. I'm Pastor John and Pastor Gwen's son, and um, I, I, I'm a college student, and, and so... It's good. So I, I come back on the weekends, and, and I do church here with, 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 with you guys, with us, and it's an awesome experience every weekend and on Wednesday. I'm also blessed to be the youth pastor, and that is like the greatest thing on earth, to be the youth pastor, one of the youth pastors. Luke, Pastor, uh, Luke, pastor Brianna, and myself are completely blessed to be your, your youth pastors here at the church, and we love what we do every Wednesday and every Sunday. Um, this week, uh, just tell you a little bit about myself, uh, I, I, I do attend Southwestern Assembly of God University in Waxahachie, and so I've been going there now, this is my senior year, I've been going there for just a little over two years, it's, it's a great experience, it's just awesome, I love doing it, and um, this week, actually, I, I hang out with a bunch of friends, and, and, and they like to play soccer, I, I don't know what I look like to you, but I don't feel like I look like I play soccer, if that makes sense. So I was playing, you know, I, I, was, I was hanging out with them, and they go, the El Salvadoran. You know, I got a friend from El Salvador. I got a friend um, from, from Nicaragua, and I got another friend from Mexico, and then my roommate, he's from Holland. So these are all just mad soccer players, right? Like, they're, 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 they're the real deal. And so um, 
the other day, the, the El Salvadorian, my friend Ivan, he says, he's got this smooth, like, raspy voice. He goes, Marcos, let, let's play soccer. And I was like, I was like, oh, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm bad. I'm really bad at soccer. Do we have to play soccer again? You know, can we play sport? And they go, they go, he goes, bueno. Bueno means white boy. I, I bet you can already guess how I feel about that nickname. So he goes, he goes, he goes, bueno, it's okay. You're not good at school either, but you do it too. So I was like, all right, let's play some soccer, you know. And so with the South Americans, my Mexican friend and my friend from Europe, you can guess how the Texan did this week at soccer. But, uh, but I love to preach, and I'm really excited to be here. Um, one more thing about myself. Um, I, like I said, I am the youth pastor. I also, me and my dad, we're ranchers, okay? We, we breed miniature Texas longhorns. Okay, so that's kind of fun. A lot of you already know this. This is a review for most of you. But for those of you who don't know, yes, I, I'm, a, I'm a rancher. And so being a youth pastor, being a preacher, and being, some of you know where I'm going with this, being, being, being a preacher and being a, a rancher are two totally separate things. But there is something that, where they come together, and that's, I'm a longhorn preacher. That's what I am. So, now, hey, li- look, you're listening faster than I'm talking. Hold on now. So what that is, now you ask, what's a longhorn preacher? Well, there's all sorts of kinds and of variations, but here's the, ma- here's the main thing, okay? Longhorn preachers, we've got two tips, right? Two, two main points. And there's a whole lot of bull in the middle, all right? That's one of my favorite jokes. One time before I preached, my dad gave me that. And I was like, I'm going to use that. So It's going to be good. Let's, um, before I go any further... Let's just pray, and, and, and mainly I'm going to ask God to bless what I say, but let's ask God that he blesses our hearts to listen. Amen? Let's ask God that, that he really touches us as, as his word goes forward, and, and, he, and he prepares our heart to receive it. Um, are you with me on that? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would just stand with me here on this stage. Father, as I use this microphone and it projects my voice, I ask that you would use me to project your voice now to your people, Lord. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would empower me and stand with me, God, as I speak your word, Father, and as I give my message today. Father, I I right now... um, with the body of believers, I, I, I declare war against any spirit of complacency, any spirit of doubt, fear, or guilt right now that is in the room. I ask right now, Lord, that you would just totally banish all those illegal items in the name of Jesus, all those illegal mindsets that stand against you and try to thwart what you're doing in God's people. I pray that you would take a stand against those things and give us a mindset to receive straight from your heart right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so before I get started, let me go over a few things. If you respond to me, I'll preach better, I think. Okay, that's just my opinion. Now, look, um, you know what uh, a camp speaker said one time? He said, the winning team's always the loudest, and which team are we on as believers? We're on the winning team, amen? So, so don't be afraid to get a little loud. Uh, I've got the microphone, so I'll just, I'll just put it closer and speak right over you. So my sermon today is on the topic, kind of surrounding this phrase, born for more, born for more. I want to draw your attention to um, 1 Samuel chapter 1. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we, we, we see the birth 
of the prophet Samuel. Before he was born, his father's name was Elkanah, and his mother's name was Hannah. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah, okay? So Peninnah, she she has children. She has an abundance of children, and she's just happy about it, okay? Hannah, her womb is closed, and she doesn't have children. This makes for great, great competition and rivalry between these two sister wives, if you will. Hannah is extremely sad. Like any, any, um, any woman who would want to be uh, a mother, whose dreams of being a mother w- would seem uh, bleak or, or seem like she would never be a mother, that would be pretty hard for any woman, let alone having a sister wife with, with the ability to have children, and she's had lots of children, and she's even rubbing it in a little. Hannah, what happens is, is they, Elkanah brings his family uh, yearly to go make sacrifices at the temple of the Lord. And what happens is, is when they go, they bring their sacrifice of the firstborn animal, and then they sacrifice it, and then they eat it together with the priests. And so what would happen was, is they would go yearly and do this sacrifice. Hannah, when, when everything is done and they're eating, you know, the, 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 the sacrifice, and, and, uh, which is like all good in the law and everything like that, when they're eating the, the, the meat of the sacrifice, Hannah's crying in the temple and she's, she's just down on her knees crying and she's weeping and she's praying, asking God for a son. But she's praying in her heart and she's praying so hard, weeping so hard, that when the prophet of the Lord Eli comes, he sees her and he says, Woman, put away your wine. Why are you drunk here in the temple? You know what I mean? What are you doing here? He didn't say, you know what I mean. But he said, why are you drunk? He said, put that away. And so she tells him, she tells him what's going on. She says, I'm, I'm, I'm praying. And so he asks, what do you need? And she says, I, I, I want a child. I'd like to have a child. And he says, Go home and know your husband, you'll have a child. So she goes home, she knows her husband, and she has a child. I, I want to go back to the moment when she's crying in the bottom, uh, in, the, in the floor of the temple, asking God. You know, because I don't know about you, but I, I can almost feel that heart of a mother. Now, I, I'll never be a mother, but I can feel her heart pouring out as she says, Lord, give me a child. Now, I, I know she's heard the report of, your womb is closed, ma'am. You are, are barren. It's over. Get used to it. Her husband says, aren't I worse to you, ten sons? Just get over it. Move past it. But there's something in her heart that was shouting, I was born for more than this. I was born for more. A couple of weeks ago, Mom, you preached about the Shunammite woman. I love that story, especially when you preach it. And the woman says... The woman has a child in the same way with the prophet Elisha. The prophet says, yeah, in one year you'll have a child. She goes, she knows her husband, and a year later she bears a child. But when the boy grows up to, to uh, like seven or eight years of age, he, he gets sick in the head and, and then dies in his mother's arms. She goes to the prophet Elisha and says, basically she goes to him and she says, Were you, was, it, was it all a joke? Did you give me a child? Did God give me a child just to take it away? Now, you, you may hear the, a skeptical heart, but I hear a mother saying, I was born for more. The child was born for more than to die at a young age. For, then for his hope to be thwarted, there was more. There was more to the story than that. I'm here to tell you, you, I, we were born for more. 
my first point is a charge to you. And I'd like to say to you, fight to stand. Let me explain. We, as Christians, as believers, are, are, we're fighters. And sometimes it's okay if the only thing you can do is stand. To hold your footing and to stay on top of your feet. We stand on the word of God, amen? Listen, as human beings, we're, we fight to stand. The, one of the greatest accomplishments... Now, I, I mean, I'm, I, I would be excited too as a parent to hear my, hear my name, dad, you know, come out of my child one day, right? Or, 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 or to hear his mother, or to hear his mother's name out of his mouth, you know, mama. That's, that's a big exciting day. But I would say that the most exciting day for a young parent is to see that child stand and walk on their own. Because it's, it's a foreshadowing of one day them taking care of themselves. Because the, the mother and the father taught them to walk and stand on their own. And one day, they'll stand and walk on their own and support themselves. Today, in the body of Christ, some new Christians come in. You may find, your, find it hard to stand, hard to find your footing. But I'm here to encourage you and say you're part of a body who helps you stand. And the most exciting day for you and those around you will be the day that you learn to find your footing on your own. Because it's a foreshadowing of you uh, carrying your own self, carrying your own weight, and one day teaching others to walk in the Lord. We stand on the word of God. Let me take you to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 and 9. Verse 8 says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Somebody say hallelujah. That's good stuff, isn't it? Listen, I, 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 we've been working at the coffee shop, and it, it's not always easy. You know what I mean? Some days we, work, we would work, you know, sometimes, you know, they, they would work from like, you know, 7 to like 7. You know, and I'm showing up at like 1130. Like, where's lunch? You know what I'm talking about? But there were some days when we'd work so hard, and, and us as a group, it, it was hard to even stand. Am I right, Daniel? Sometimes it gets that way where, man, it's, even, it's hard. It gets tough. You start getting dizzy on your own feet. And, and, and here, I, I, I know that there must be Christians in the room that find it hard to stand, spiritually, emotionally, and socially. But let me encourage you and say one more time, we stand on the Word of God. Amen? Amen. God is good. So if you are discouraged, let me take you to Joshua 1.9. This is exciting right here. God says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's awesome. I find it interesting that God can actually command strength and courage. He could command it. Now, he's not negotiating with us here, is he? Hey, I, please be strong, right? You, sh you ought to be courageous. No, he says, be strong and courageous. Haven't I commanded you? I'm with you wherever you go. That's cause to be excited. I want to leave church today with a little bit more, bit more morale than I left with last week, right? Than when I came in. I want, to be, I want to be strong and I want to go with a grit in my teeth ready to handle the world and wage war against sin. I want to do that. I want to see chains broken. Amen? Sometimes when we fight for the glory of God, 
it looks a little bit more just like standing our ground. Standing our ground. God's given you new authority, new territory recently. Your job is to stand your ground. Stand your ground. Let me take you to Haggai chapter 1 verse 3. My next point is leave it behind. Leave it behind. We're born for more. The first thing we have to do is stand. Haggai chapter 1 verse 3 says, Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Verse 4 says, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore... Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. I want you to consider your ways today. Because the Bible says in the New Testament, we are his temple. We're the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's no longer a place. It was the temple. It was, God's house was a physical place. But now it's a person, and that's you and I. So let me ask you, what, what, in what shape is God's temple in today? You, his temple, what, what shape are you in today? While you live in your nice houses, what, what, what shape is God's temple in? I'd like to ask you. Leave it behind. Leave it behind. We, it, it, when, when, when walking into the glory of God, we're always expected to leave something behind. When God showed up uh, uh, um, in front of Moses and jo- Joshua, he said to both of them, take off your shoes, this is holy ground. How many know God didn't want them to take off their shoes because their shoes were out of style? Right? God wanted, God needed a posture from them that says, I'm willing to leave something behind in order to encounter your glory. In order to enter your glory, I'm willing to leave anything behind that I need to. When when Jesus called the disciples, they left their professions. Peter and James and John, they they left their, their nets and their boats behind. Matthew left away, left from the tax collecting booth. It's time for us to be able, when we decide in our hearts, I want to live for something just a little bit more, we've got to be ready to leave anything and everything behind if God asks us. There was a story of a pilot. His name was Sir Frederick Hanley. He was an English industrialist who was a pioneer in the aircraft industry and was known as the father of the heavy bomber. He was best known for the large aircraft such as the Hanley Page and the Halifax bombers, as well as the HP-42 airliner. He was knighted in 1942 for his his contribution to the war effort. A young Hanley Page once landed his plane while he was in flight on a flight. He, He landed his plane in an isolated unknown area. And unbeknown to him, a rat got on board the plane during his stay. On the next leg of his flight, Paige heard the sickening sound of gnawing. Suspecting it was a rodent, his heart began to pound. A rat could easily chew through the vital controls and cause the plane to crash. This was a dire situation. He visualized the serious damage that could be done to the fragile mechanism that controlled the plane and the difficulty of repairs because of the lack of skilled labor and development in the area. What could he do? 
He remembered hearing that a rat could not survive in high altitudes. So he pulled back on the stick. The plane pulled higher and higher until Paige found difficulty in breathing himself. He listened intently and finally breathed a sigh of relief. The gnawing had stopped, and he was relieved to be able to lose altitude. When he arrived at his destination, he found the rat lying dead behind the cockpit and found there was only minimal damage to the controls. We've got to be able to leave anything behind. And see, if you, if you find yourself in a place where you've said, I've tried to leave things behind before, and I, I just can't do it on my own. Listen, that's a, that's, a real, that's a real cry, you know. That's been the cry of my heart at times. But what is our solution? We've got to fly higher. I don't have a regimented plan of prayers and steps for you to take, but I do know this. If you pursue the presence of God, where the, those things can't live on you for too long. I just got to pursue the glory of God a little bit longer, and that thing's going to fall off of me. Fly higher in your altitude. Pursue God. My third point is build your life. For some of you, this is, a, this is an endeavor that, you're, in, that you're, you're embarking on for the very first time, and you're building your life. For others, you look at it and you go, man, it's time for me to rebuild. It's time for me to rebuild. And in the Old Testament, in Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah is the cupbearer for the king, which means he serves the king his wine. And when Nehemiah finds out that um, the state of, that Israel is in, while he's in Babylon, he's extremely discouraged, to say the least. He finds out that for over 70 years after Israel has been overthrown, they're still, the city is still, the city of Jerusalem is still in shambles. It's still broken down. The walls are still shattered. And his heart cries out to them. I mean, he's just, he's just broken down there in Nehemiah chapter 1. He goes before the Lord and cries day and night to the Lord. And when he goes before the king, the king's like, man, you look awful, but you don't look sick. What's going on? And in that moment, he's, he's, he's burdened with fear because he's standing like, literally in front of the king of the world, okay, which is like the king of Babylon. He was just the most, the king of Syria, I should say. He was just the most powerful king of his time. So Nehemiah stands there and he says, he, he pours out his heart to the king and says, my homeland, my, my, my hometown, it's totally in shambles and it's broken down. And then pressed by the Holy Spirit, he says, can, I, I'd like to go back. I'd like to go back, and I'd like to fix the walls there. So um, to save you some time, you really should read Nehemiah chapter 1. To save you a little time in reading right now, what happens is, is Nehemiah asks for the king's resources in going back. He basically says, well, I'm going to need a letter from you stating to anybody that I can go wherever I need to to go back home. I need, I need, I need pretty much your resources. I need your checkbook. I need to be able to handle this situation. So he goes back home with the king's resources, and what happens is, is he finds what he was expecting. The children of Israel are broken down in Jerusalem, and they have no walls there. They, it's just broken down. It's like non-existent. And so neighboring tribes and peoples and, and, and raiding groups are able to just take what they want from, from the children of Israel. It's just in shambles. So he goes, and he finds out that they've been broken down, once again, for 70 years. They've tried to rebuild the walls, and every attempt has failed. The enemy would just come and tear it down. Nehemiah shows up, and in 52 days, 
He leads the children of Israel with, with the king's pocketbook, with the king's resources, and passion from the Lord. He's able to rebuild in like 52 days. Just awesome. Just an awesome story. Let me apply it to you and I. Nehemiah's name, you'll like this, it means comforter or comfort from the Lord. When Jesus left us, he said, I'm leaving with you a comforter. The Holy Spirit is our Nehemiah. Let me take you to Proverbs 25, 28. It says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Listen, something that you've tried to build up. You, you, you may have had that cry in your heart where you say, I was born for more. But it feels like I've just been standing for so long. And what I try to build for God, this, this moral system, my self-control, the self-control that I try to build to live for God, it feels like it's knocked down every time I do it. Listen, you can spend a whole lifetime, just like the children of Israel, trying to rebuild your walls, trying to, trying to build your self-control for the first time, and it could fail over and over again. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, our comforter, he can, he can fix you in a matter of weeks. He can build your life again in a matter of weeks. He can rebuild what seemed to be lost. He's helping some of us completely rebuild our lives. Listen, church. God is about to resurrect and rebuild something that wasn't just dead, but it was so dead that you thought it could never get up again. And you ask, why would he go for that? Why would he go for that thing that I've already given up on? Because he wants you to know it came from him. He wants to get to the hopeless situation, and he wants to resurrect that thing because he wants you to give him all the glory. He wants to go for the impossible in your life. What is it? What is it? What is it that, that, that makes you stay up at night that you say, God, I was bored for more than this. God, I was expecting more than this. I wanted more. Don't sleep on it. Don't forget about it. Don't, don't make do with the status quo. Press into God. He, he wants to give you that more that you were born for. He wants to give you more. And with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, he brings the empowerment of the king of kings. Father God, he comes with empowerment. I'll close with this last story. Um, this is my favorite. This is one of my best. Okay, so. One day, uh, we used to have two services here, okay? We used to do an early service, and what we, we members would do is we would come to the early service, and then we would serve in the second, okay? So what that looked like for me was I would come to the early service, you know, and, 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 and attend service regularly, and then the second service, I would go out and, and greet at the front door, okay? And so what happened on this week is I was with Miss um, Penny McDaniel. Penny, raise your hand, yeah? She's a woman of God. So I was sitting there, and, and, and we're, we're, we're greeting people, and Penny's a whole lot of fun. Y'all just got to talk to her. And so we're, we're, we're laughing about things and saying hi to people, and, and we're having a good old time. Where it's just a Sunday. I mean, y'all know how it goes. And so she, you know, we're, we're greeting, and she gets a phone call, and she steps aside, and, you know, her, her demeanor begins to change, and her countenance is drastically changed. Penny fell down and, and, and into tears, and, you know, she's, she actually is, like, struggling even to keep her footing. I mean, it, it was, you could tell something dramatic had happened on this phone call. 
And so I'm standing there next to Penny like, you know, what's wrong? And I'm totally, like, useless. I felt like, you know, I'm like, why am I here? So Pastor Keith and I are standing next to her, and I just leave for a second and run and go get Lonnie, Penny's husband. So Lonnie comes out. And it was unexplainable, but it was like when, when, they, when they looked in each other's eyes and just kind of said a few words, they, they instantly both were on the same page of what had happened. And, I, you know, once again, I had no idea what was going on. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, and I'm, my heart is just broken. And so they go outside and talking on the phone. And Miss Christie's out there. Miss Christie Schwarzenegger, she's out there. And, you know, I'm kind of hearing from Miss Christie coming through the grip. I'm like, what's going on? Penny had received the report that her sister had just died during worship on a Sunday morning while we were greeting at the front door. And I remember walking back, you know, in here in the, in the entryway and thinking, God, there's more. A woman breaking down on the floor, you didn't, she's breaking down that way because you didn't program her to be able to deal with that. There's more in your plan than just this. That's all, that, that's all that I could just vocalize to God. There's more. Give us more. I'm uncomfortable with what, what I see. I need you to step in. Others of us began to pray. I came in in halftime, and, and my dad, you know, he, he prepares in, the, in, the, in his office right here, right before service sometimes. And I, I, I went to him, and I was like, Dad, I got to tell you something after service. I got to tell you. And he goes, tell me. And I said, No. I'll tell you after service, this better wait. He goes, okay. I was like, just focus on your, on your sermon. You know, I'm thinking about, like, i got to tell him, and he's got to be there for, for the McDaniels. And I was just like, oh, how, how is this going to happen? And so I went out, and, 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 you know, I'm back out in the foyer, and, 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 and I'm just like, oh, God. The report comes. So, so she was in the hospital. The doctors actually proclaim her she's dead. At such and such time, she's done. And the family is actually done mourning in the hospital, and they're going to go home and collect her things. They're, they're, they're ready to go on home. And in that moment, when, she, when, when the family's actually leaving to go home, they're done, they're, they're going to go pack up her stuff, her sister wakes up. It's just... <laughs> It's amazing, and then, you know, I'm like, oh, my goodness, God is amazing, you know, and I'm just overwhelmed. I, you know, I didn't have to think, be thankful to the Lord in that moment. You know, I just, thank you so much, God, you know. I go in after service, and my, and my dad meets me in his office, and he goes, what's going on? And I'm like, it's good. <laughs> it was kind of messed up, but God took care of me, you know. And I told him everything. It was one of the most strengthening things because... Now that I've told you that story, I want to reapply it to what I just said about God wants to resurrect something and rebuild something that seems hopeless, seems completely lost. Maybe you're ready to pack your bags and go on home. Maybe it just seems over. Anybody ever felt that way? God's saying, I'm doing a brand new thing. It's going to be better than before. My redemptive power is going to cover this situation. I've asked the band to sing like my favorite song in the world. And as as we move forward in our service, 
I just ask you one more time as we worship. You did it already. Let's give God everything as we worship. Amen? Amen.